Welcome to episode 25 of Forging the Journey, where we discuss the joys and struggles of our entrepreneurial journey. I'm Greg Davis. And I'm Jared Dobb. And we are a quarter of the way to 100 episodes. It doesn't even seem like it's been 25 minutes. <laughs> I know, man. That's crazy. That is absolutely... I feel like I say things are crazy all the time, but I mean, that is just absolutely crazy because it doesn't feel like 25 weeks, does it? No, not at all. No. But I was just thinking about that the other day and realizing how long 25 weeks actually is, which means I guess we've been doing this for over six months now. Yeah, yeah I just did that math. I'm like, oh, wait, there's only 52 weeks in a year. So that Yeah, means- we're halfway through a whole year of doing a podcast, which is pretty wild. Yeah. I, I, I think it would be safe to say that a year ago, I wouldn't have predicted that we would be doing a podcast weekly. I knew, I mean, we've talked about it from the beginning of the podcast, when we talked about why we started the podcast, you know, I, I always had this, I've always wanted to do a podcast, just didn't know exactly where to go, but I would not have been able to tell you that you know, we'd be doing this right now. Yeah, I agree. But it's been a lot of fun. It's been, it's been, it's been a great learning, learning process. And I've, I've got to talk to a lot of really cool people that, that, uh, that have connected through this, even this past weekend. I met some people at a, a training event that I was at that that really just kind of fired me up because they have that bug to uh, you, know, you know to get get going on something of their own and and uh, and they were just talking to me about you know how they enjoy the podcast and about how, how it's helped them. So man, that's just that that's that right there is worth it all. I was <clears throat> uh, last night I was talking to a guy on Instagram and he was telling me about how he uh, just about how inspired he is by you know, you know, watching our, our business journey and, um, about how he's, he's turning 40 and he really wants to do something different uh, with his life uh, for him and his son. And, and, uh, and, you know, we just had a really cool conversation and he actually hadn't heard of the podcast yet, but I told him about it and, and and he replied back. He was like, I'm subscribed and I'm downloading them all. Nice. (laughs) This looks awesome. So it'd be exciting to, to hear what his thoughts are in, <clears throat> on it. So it just pumps me up. You know, yeah. Hearing about people that, that have the bug and, and that are, that are going to go after it. Well, and I, when people message, just like I'm sure you feel, but when they message me on Instagram, whether it's on the TA targets or the Keystone carry one or, you know, our emails or Facebook group or whatever, it's always, it's kind of weird for me a little bit. I don't know if it is for you because I don't see myself. I definitely don't see myself as a professional by no means with, with business. And and I, I think we're pretty transparent with people who listen to the podcast that this is all about us showing you our journey through our eyes, how we see it right now. But it's always, I don't know. It's cool. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm honored that somebody would reach out and be like, Hey, I see you doing this and evidently something's working. I want to learn from that but I, I don't know the right word for it. I don't know if you can pinpoint it, Craig, but I, I guess maybe unqualified sometimes yeah. to, to even be offering business advice. But at the same time, I, if I sit down and I look at the last four years and I'm honest with myself and I'm really analyzing what we've done and what we've learned, then I, well, we do have a lot of information to share. It's, it's not, yeah. you know, we didn't, yeah, we we didn't a lot of experience. Yeah. yeah. We weren't just sitting for four years, you know, we were failing, we were succeeding, we were sometimes idling, feeling like we weren't doing anything. You know, we, we all went through that. You and I both went through a lot of those experiences. Um, so it, it is cool. It is very neat to see the reaction from the podcast. And I'm really pumped. Just like when I look at TA targets and, and I'm thinking forward into the future and I'm like, man, I can't, can't wait for, you know, five years down the road to see what this picture looks like. I'm really pumped to see what, this podcast looks like going forward because I, everything's a constant evolution. Yeah, definitely. So what's been going on with your, uh, with your business the last week? Well, the, uh, the topic of the week is packaging, packaging, packaging. And I don't know if you checked our story last week, Greg, um, on TA targets, we've been really analyzing how we ship products over the last 
I don't know. We've, we've been really paying attention over the last six months, I would say. And I, I don't, I don't think I've talked about this at all on the podcast, but the biggest thing about what we ship is it is incredibly heavy. And because of that, you know, you, your boxes, if, if somebody mishandles them or somebody with a, a forklift decides they're going to drive over it, it just destroys the boxes. And we recognize that there's no, you know, once it leaves our shop, there's no way we can control what the UPS or FedEx driver does with it. But there are steps we can take to improve on the packaging so that there's a higher chance that um, it's going to get to the customer safe. And, and probably at this point with how high our volume is, over 90% of packages go right to the customer, no issues, you know, no missing components or damaged pieces um, and probably only less than 1% actually have any damage or a missing piece or something. So it's not that frequent, but it's one of the things that to me, I, I take a lot of value and I, I find a lot of extra value when a company really packages something well and it's safe and it's secure. Um, so we're just stepping up the next game, um, stepping up the game to the next level, I should say in that department. So Mark, myself and Ethan have been kind of going crazy to the point where I'm kind of sick of talking about it. Yeah. (laughs) But it's one of those things where, you know, we did this when we first started the business, we, we did test samples, we sent stuff out, we followed up with customers and got feedback on how the things, how the packages were arriving. And we kind of created our SOP, our standard operating procedure, but we're just noticing that, I think it's time to update it again and just go to the next level. And, you know, things like instead of just using tape, we're going to staple a lot of the boxes together. We have a pneumatic auto stapler that we just ordered. Nice. Um, And it makes it a pain for people opening the box, but at the same time, I I hate staples. I get, they suck. I know. Just because I always take, because I'm an, I'm a knife. <laughs> I remember you talking about this. I whip out my nice custom <laughs> knife and I rack that knife right across staples. Oh, that just, well, here's the, here's the saving grace to this is there's not going to be a lot of tape on these. You know, it's not like we're covering up staples with tape. You're going to yeah. obviously know that these things are stapled. All I ask is that you put a sticker on it that says something about staples. That's, <laughs> spend the 10 cents and put a label on it. that says package stapled shut or something. That's, yep. that would be great. No it, doubt. Well, and I'm, I'm kind of a nerd about the same, <clears throat> about the same thing about how, about seeing how packages are, are, uh, are, are, are packed up and shipped. You know, when I get stuff, I like seeing, you know, to me, there's an art form to it. And I've got, actually, I actually have kind of a background with that when I, was working at a um when i was an engineer at a retail display company we had to ship displays and some of these displays would be pretty fragile and we're shipping these things all over the country so you know we just you know we used to have to take some time to uh, make sure that these packages are you know are cartoned correctly and that they're support inside and do drop tests and all this stuff i mean there's a whole there's a whole art and science to it and, uh, and actually one of the companies that I feel like probably does it the best. Now they staple their package and they're also one of the companies that I'm mad at for only <laughs> one nice knives is uh orange vice. And, and they have to be because they're shipping these vices that are heavy. I mean, you right. know, they're solid and they're heavy. So they're just asking to come flying through a box if you, if you don't package it. Right. And they, and they do like an outer box and then an inner box. And there's a gap between, the inner box and outer box where they put peanuts, which I also hate peanuts, but I hate peanuts. But I also understand, you know, why they use them. Um, and then is it inside the inner box? There's another box. Now between those two boxes, there's just like, like a foam wrap, you know, just like maybe a 16th or eighth inch thick foam wrap. And then inside of that box is the products. And that product is, is usually wrapped up inside. So there's like, there's like three boxes. And I think each one of them are stapled. There is wow. no, you could probably drop that thing out of a of an airplane, thirty thousand feet. It's going to hit the ground. And it's going to fine. <laughs> um, you know, I, something that people don't realize, though, just food for thought for people thinking about products and shipping. There is an immense cost 
to that kind of packaging. It is very expensive to make sure that a heavy product is going to get to where it needs to go. Well, think about the time that it takes too. I mean, Oh yeah. You're paying your shipping guy, you know, for that thing, it probably takes a shipping guy probably at least probably about 30 minutes to to package that thing. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. It's, it's a lot. And you know, so there's a balance there and there's also, you know, I'm not, I'm going to cautiously say it. I'm not an environmentalist per se. I mean, I really care about, our world and, you know, taking care of it and everything. But I don't like using a ton of tape and things like that. Like I don't like layering it on knowing that it's just going to get like bundled up and thrown out. Right. It just drives me crazy thinking about it. Whereas, you know, the staples, what we're thinking is, you know, it's going to bite through not just the top flap of the box, but also into the side flaps that are underneath. Like it bites through it all. Um, and our average weight for a package is between 46 and 70 pounds. Yeah. But we're in that range where you definitely have to, you have to have your, uh, you got to have everything done right or else it will come apart. And we've done really good. And like I said, the vast majority of, of customers don't have any issues. And if somebody does have an issue, we just replace the product. They don't, yep. there's no work that they have to do, but at the same time, you know, it really sucks to hear that a customer ordered something on a Saturday and was hoping it would come by the next weekend, which normally with our one to two day lead time, that's no problem even to California. Yeah. But then for it to arrive, they're all pumped up, ready to go to the range and they're missing, you know, whatever. And it's usually something critical. That's the part that's really <laughs> frustrating. It's like, yeah, we just had one that, the entire target plate was gone, but the ADAP top bracket and the base and the spare hardware was still in there. Nice. Like that to me is like a theft. I feel like somebody cut that box open and stole the plate, but yeah, it, it just dumb stuff happens when you're trying to ship stuff clear across the country and something that we are. Uh, do you, uh, that's something I've thought about and, I, and I've kind of played with I, is, uh, do you have your logo or any, or, you know, anywhere on the outside of the package? We do. Um, and I've, I've analyzed that from all spectrums and I don't, I'm not going to say my answer is the perfect answer or the answer for everybody, but I like having that branded box headed to the customer. Now I know the risk is somebody could look at that and be like, Oh, I know that's a $500 target system. Yeah. You know, I'm going to cut that thing open. But to that response, I mean, that's, you know, also why, we have insurance and we have a really good rep who works with me one-on-one. Um, if there's an issue with something like that, we get it taken care of. Yeah, Cause so I've, it's, cause I, I, I've done things where, where I'll stamp the box, you know, I, I had a nice stamp made. And so I'll, I'll stamp the box with the logo and it looks cool. And I've thought about, uh, I've even had it quoted, um, you know, having a, uh, you know, tape, you know, like, you know, like the wet, the, the tape that gets wet, uh, through the machine you can you can get your logo put on that and stuff and 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 i'm a super small company most people i can guarantee most people that work in at the usps have no idea what it is but still um i just i've kind of decided you know just me personally that one is it's an added cost it's added time for something that you don't you don't really need and and I'm just paranoid enough that I'm advertising to everybody that, that handles that box to that they know what's inside of it. But I mean, I do agree. I just, it, it looks nice uh, when the customer gets it and, and they know what it is. It, you know, one of the, uh, one of the companies that I really love and support uh, is triple lot design. They're a clothing company out of California. And it, I love when I, you know, when I order something from them, the box is sitting on the porch and they got that, there's a, like these are huge stamp, um, you know, but their logo is, is stamped on the box. Like, and in their Facebook group, that's kind of one of the things that people snap a picture of their, of their Ted uh, logoed box on the porch. And everybody's like, Oh man, what'd you get? And, you know? So yeah, like yep. I, I get both sides of it and, uh, and it, man, it, it looks super nice and polished when you, you know, when we get a, Get, when you get your product packaged up nicely, it's it's just something to be proud of. And so, yeah, I, I get it. Uh, just at this stage, I've decided I've decided not to for right now. Yeah, and I, you know, I 
it depends what you're buying too. And I, I'm going to say this, but I don't know that it's a hundred percent accurate. If you're buying say a high dollar item, I think people tend to, to expect more, not, not always. Cause there's low, lower dollar items that I've bought that came packaged phenomenally and, and were like great. And I really appreciated it. But just like you said with that other company, I really, really love getting the messages of people when they'd snap a picture of the TA targets box on their porch and they see them, the made in USA tape and the TA targets logo. Um, and that's so valuable to me because I value first impressions so much. Um, now I, I don't think if we, if we switched just to plain cardboard, got rid of all branding, which is what our, our shipping rep actually recommends. Um, I don't think it would hurt us, but I'm just at this phase where I'm, I'm just like not willing to do that (laughs) as bad as that sounds because, you 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 know, I, and that's why I'm saying it's not for everybody. And I, by no means am I trying to dictate to anybody saying you absolutely have to brand your packages, but um, just something to consider. You have the risk that somebody could tamper with it, especially if you're a well-known company and you have a desirable product. Um, You just have to weigh that and, you know, make that decision then for yourself. So I've actually been, uh, I've been going, well, it's April now. So I've been spending four months working on uh, new clamshell packaging for the Neomag. And it's actually, a guy came up to us at our, at our booth at SHOT Show uh, with some samples and was just asking if we had any, any uh, if, if we had any needs uh, for our clamshelling and stuff. And so and I told him, I was like, actually, I've been thinking about about getting something custom made because right now I just order just, you know stockclam.com and just get these these stock clam shells and and they work great and they look great um but they're definitely a little bulkier than what I need you know and uh and so we're going through getting some custom clam shells made and molded and uh and actually uh you know, we went through a couple of revisions on it and they're actually out for delivery. I have like, I have 26 cases. Uh, and I order like 10,000 clamshells. I have, I have 26 cases coming here and I have no idea where I'm going to put them. <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> I love this. I love the space struggle. That's oh, like, man. that's all of, dude, every week that's our battle is finding yeah. place to stick things. And me and Dusty were talking about, and we're, and we're, and we're trying to figure out, you know, you know, maybe we could put a storage rack over here. You know, do we really need that, that workbench over there? You know, we're just we're trying to figure out. And the thing is, you're making space for something that's going to dwindle. Right. So you make, you know, you, you don't, <laughs> you don't really need all that space. So I told my wife that she might just have to park in the driveway for a little bit. Might there you go. Fill up half the garage. I'll fill up her half. <laughs> you have to be able to park in there though. Yeah. Yeah, of course, because you know, I got to I, I got to Neo Magmobile. I gotta I gotta protect that thing, even right. though my car is like eleven, twelve years old, and hers is only a couple of years old. I was gonna say hers is nicer than yours, I think, right? Yeah, oh, way 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 nicer. So I'm looking forward to getting uh, getting those those new clamshells. I'm gonna be able to fit more of them into a into a case now, so it's gonna it's gonna save on shipping costs for my dealers and for us and and uh and and frankly the p- the per piece price is cheaper than what i was paying for the for the stock stock claim shell so it's actually going to save me a little bit of money nice so i'm excited about that if you can if you can figure out that equation and make that happen that's always awesome you know if you can be a little more efficient save a little bit of money yeah yeah i mean wh- why wouldn't you work on doing something that's nicer and that's going to save you money. That's just a no brainer to me. Right. Some people so. resist it though, man. They, they don't want to change what let's well, change and it's work. I mean, it, it took time going back and forth and, well, and it's risk too. I mean, let's be sure. honest. You, you could, you know, there's times we spent a lot of time trying to figure out how we're going to pack or ship something or, or whatever. It could be any aspect of the business. And then you buy whatever, even if it's trying a new box and we don't want to buy 200 of them right away even if we just buy 10 samples, well, if they don't work, well, now I've got these 10 boxes that I don't know what to do with, you know, stuff like that adds up over the course of a couple of years. 
So there is risk there, but I think it's important to always be evolving, you know, adapting to the industry. Um, and, and if you have to change to keep up. Well, it's amazing how many of these little things are to, to think about and, uh, and even get excited about like packaging your product. It's, yeah, to me, that's just, it, you know, when a, you know, when a customer gets your product, you want it to be a nice presentation. This is something I've been trying to think about as well. So right now I just use like a, just like a poly bag. You know, it's like a gray poly bag. And that's what we throw. If you order one to two products, you just, we just throw it into a bag, slap a label on it. And it's, it's a self self sealing flap on it. Super easy. They're super cheap, uh, super fast for shipping cause we don't have to fold boxes and stuff. And, uh, but at the same time, I'm like, it doesn't look all that nice and it's just a poly bag. So these things get beat up uh, on the way the customer. A lot of times now the product is totally fine. It's steel and right. I'm not worried about the product, but the packaging definitely gets, gets beat up by, uh, you know, through shipping. So I've thought about going back to, to a box, you know, you know, get something even custom, made so the neomax fit in there nice and and stuff me i've thought about putting logos on them and but then i have to go back to folding boxes and and stacking boxes and i don't know like oh and yeah that takes time I can fit tens of, I, I, <laughs> and yeah, space. It, it takes time and and a lot of space because i can fit thousands of of these poly bags in just a, a small case on a shelf now when you know think about that many boxes Again, it goes back to a, a space thing. So I keep weighing the pros and cons. And and frankly, I've never once had a customer complain about the packaging. So it's like, am I searching a problem that doesn't exist? But I also feel like if it was a nicer packaging, I would probably hear more more praises about it. Like, wow, look at this. You know, this looks I got this from Neo Mag and look how nice it looks, you know. Um so I don't know. You know, you know, chasing after problems that don't exist is something you got to watch. <laughs> yeah. Out too. yeah, you could drive yourself crazy. One thing that is fact is when we get, you know, this shipment of boxes comes today and they are double wall, so they're twice as thick. Ugh. So I'm just, I'm sitting here looking at our shipping area, which um, our shipping area is, I don't know, about 4,000 square feet and it's full. Like there's very, very little space. Um, yesterday we had six skids of targets that went out like we filled up an entire ups truck and he probably took more than he should have but somehow he managed to fit them in there but i'm just looking at this like okay if i'm doubling the thickness of all of our boxes and we have like eight different styles of boxes what are we going to do with this yeah but you know you you've just got to adapt i mean we don't really have a choice we're growing and this is the space that we have so we're working within that for now for the next year or so probably. Nice. So I just got back from, uh, from down the Cincinnati area, uh, from training the weekend long training. It's like, a, uh, automotive dynamics. That was with point one tactics, right? Donovan. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yes. Yeah, so we met Donovan at S12 last year, uh, in the like, late summer. And, uh, and actually, we also met Shane and Carly at S12, who are the ones that I think they just bought the property and were yeah, yeah, yeah. digging into the property. We were right around S12 last year, creating this range called Impact Shooting Center. And uh, and so, you know, we all kind of met each other and we all have these, you know, these moving pieces and needs of, you know, Donovan's looking for places to train and, and, and me as a company, I'm always looking for instructors to, to, uh, well, one, I love training. So instructors to, to train with, but also, uh, to introduce my product to. And if they like it, then I love to partner up with other instructors, uh, you know, with my product. And, and so we've, you know, Donovan told us about, about this class. And so, um, me and Dusty car pulled down with, uh, Greg Hammer five five six and and Paul Bolito who was just on the podcast uh, Black Iron Gunner so the four of us drove down there uh, on Friday and 
spent the week training and man, it was just, I love like, I think, I think Paul said it in the podcast. If, if he had the money, he would just travel and train. And I got to agree with him. Like, it's just, it's so fun spending time with and meeting new people who have the same passions as you and enjoy the same things. And, um, and, and also just from a business aspect, I, I, I didn't really sell that much stuff and that's not, that's not the reason I go. I, I usually take stuff just in case anybody wants to pick something up while we're there, but, um, but it's a content gold mine, gold mine. You know, we, I mean, I, me and Dusty took so much video and pictures and, um, you know, just of our own. And so I'm like, man, I've got content that could probably last me a month now. And, and, you know, I don't, I probably don't have to get myself out to the range if I, if I don't have to over the, over the next few weeks, cause I've got so much stuff I can use, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. And, and now I'm, now I'm kind of all gung ho about just about wanting to get back out and cause he's going to be down, he's gonna be down there every month through October doing a class. And this is actually kind of a series of classes. So each one kind of builds on each other. And I'm like, man, if this first class was this much fun, you know, how much more fun are the rest going to be? And as they all kind of tie into each other and stuff, but, uh, so I'm trying to, trying to figure out how I can get back down there. Cause the other thing I'm thinking is, man, if I get down there once a month, like I don't need to, I almost don't need to get to my range to do, to do content. Cause right. We create so much content there. But and it's always awesome when you go to a range like that with other people, especially if the other people understand the content creation like you do. I really get pumped when I shoot with other people like that, where I could be like, "Hey, you know, whatever." Maybe we set up a drill, um, and you can just kind of hand a camera over to somebody and be like, "Chase me, you know, yeah. we're gonna do a drill, just run after me." Like you know, you can do that throughout the course of a day and create a mashup video. That's just a general video of it. You can do highlight videos on certain drills. You could do cool edits. You can do photos. There's so much that could happen. Um, when you, when you kind of time that right with the right people. Um, so yeah, I get it. I, I love that as well. I, it drives your business. I mean, like you said, I think how you put it being a content gold mine is probably one of the best ways you could put it. Yeah. Yeah. Plus I got to shoot my, train with my newly suppressed trainer blackout. I've joined the ranks of Jerry Dobb with the, with a sweet little 300 blackout suppressed. Took you long enough, man. That's all I gotta say took you long enough. Hey, wasn't me. Look, it's been like two years that I've had mine. So I don't, I don't really want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. So I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, you just got your first suppressor, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So how's that? How's that feel? You got a Silencer Co Omega 300, which you, that's, that's your main one too, right? That's, that's what I have. And I'm, you know, as soon as we, well, I'll talk about this, this then at the end, but yeah. So I, I plan to get many more. Yeah. Oh, I do too. As soon as I got it, I'm like, man, I wish I would have got another one in the works earlier. Cause now I got, right. you know, I wish they were, I'd overlapped some suppressors, but uh, it's just a, it's just a nice, it's a better experience shooting. Now I'll put it this way. It's a nice experience when you're shooting subsonic ammo, when you're shooting supersonic, it blows a lot of gas back in your face, which is not, <laughs> which is not a, uh, not great. Can't wear um, a gas mask. Yeah. It's just, and, and the worst, so the worst part was, you know, so we're, we're all on the line, you know, there's a bunch of us and he's doing, you know, like up drills and stuff with us and, I'm shooting suppressed. I got a guy to my right that's got well, right and left that have the worst break in the entire world that are just that are beating both sides of my head up. Yep. Just blowing gas at me and stuff. And I told these guys, I'm like, man, I'm being as nice as possible to you guys, and you guys are beating me up. <laughs> and uh but at the same time, I was shooting supersonics because I'm like, everybody's wearing ears. What's the point in shooting more expensive subsonics? Uh in that case. So, but I was also, so at the same time I was blowing gas back in my face, but, um, besides that, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's especially shooting subsonics. It was just, it's just such a, it's such a nice experience and, and, and fun. I'm looking forward to get my kids out with it. Cause I, it, it's going to be nice 
I think people who shoot ARs, you know, especially the first time, it's a jarring, jarring thing that happens when you pull a trigger. Not because of recoil. It's loud, but it's loud, and that, and depending on what kind of break you have on it, the concussion of it, um, and I think there's perceived recoil with that. People Once think that, yeah, people think that what they just experienced was violent because what they saw and what they heard, right? You know, depicted violence. You know, that depicted in a massive explosion and noise. Well, you know, yeah, you're right. If you can put someone's hands on a suppressed 300 blackout with subsonic ammo for the first time. And I've done that to new shooters. I've given them my SBR with the suppressor and subsonic and let them have at it with an AR 15 for the first time. And it's like, it's like shooting a pellet gun. They walk away smiling. I like no joke. I have never put my suppressor in someone's hand and let them shoot a fi- one of my firearms suppressed and had them not come back smiling. doesn't matter if it was a 300 wind mag. Cause I mean, let's say we throw it on the 300 wind mag. Now there's very little recoil. It feels like you're shooting a 243. Yeah. And people are smiling. You throw it on my 308. People are like, wow, this is incredible. You know, on my blackout, people are literally laughing because it sounds like you're shooting a pellet gun. But, you know, I they're highly regulated. I wish that they weren't. But if you can afford to get your hands on a suppressor, it definitely changes, 100% changes the shooting experience. Yeah. And I'm so happy that I got one. Yeah, me too. And uh, and so it was fun to have that for this weekend and, and the, the content that we got, just me shooting that. That was pretty awesome. And it was also kind of fun. Everybody's oogling the, you know, my, you know, my little suppressed AR all weekend. Everybody's all asking all these questions. And, and it, was, it was fun to field the questions and the, you know, to let other people shoot it. In fact, there's one guy, um, he was like glued to my hip. Uh, for the weekend, just, you know, you know, asking questions about it and stuff. He sends me a video DM yesterday, sitting at his gunsmith, picking up a 300 blackout upper. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He, he did oh, not any time. And he was like, I'm getting my suppressor paperwork going ASAP. So he didn't waste any time at all. He was, he was all about it. So that was fun. You know, I, so I love firearms. I love, <clears throat> I love talking about my builds and stuff. And and the one build that has had the most impact has driven tons of traffic to TA targets. It gets questions every week on both TA targets and Keystone carry. It's that seven and a half inch, 300 blackout, that SBR, um, that all of those questions are kind of what helped to lead me to making my own YouTube page because I was getting so many questions about that gun. Like if you go onto Google and you type in 300 blackout build, my, my seven and a half inch blackout shows up usually on the first or second spot on Google searches. Hmm. Um, the blog that I did on TA targets about that, which that, that was strategic too. And we can talk about that sometime, but I strategically put blog posts out about the firearms that I built and, and that I run so that they help drive traffic back to TA targets. But either way, that build has gotten so much attention and I love it. I love answering the questions. I get emails all the time. People send me, you know, I just got a DM yesterday from a guy who built the same exact rifle that I have, like to the T, same parts, same muzzle device, flashlights, optics, trigger, law folder, stock, whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so neat when you, you, you can interact with people in the industry like that, even outside of your business. I mean, to me, that just that builds the relationships, but it also gives authenticity to who you are. Um, and which I think is just as important as trying to market a product. Yep. But I'm very happy that you got one because we, when we get together and shoot sometime soon, like next weekend, yeah, we'll have to, you know, do some suppressed subsonic runs or whatever. And I I have plenty of subsonic ammo too. I was going to have you bring me some, Oh yeah, that's right. We'll yeah. Talk about that later. But yep. Bring me some of that. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, kind of keep things moving on. So saw something that came up, came up in my Facebook feed yesterday. Um, and it's from the owner of a company called prime ammunition. And, uh, and basically in the video, he talks about how, um, his component supplier, um, 
it's called Rueg, R-U-A-G. And I think they're a European company from the research I did is basically holding them ransom uh, for some reason. Now we only have one side of this. So it, and I really don't want to get too depth, too in depth into the actual situation. I want to get more into, you know, what can we learn from, from what we do see what's going on for our businesses. So I just want to put in a nutshell of what's going on there and then we can kind of get into what we think we can learn from it. So um, he says that he orders components. Rueg says, okay, we have your components ready. You have 48 hours. You need to pay cash for all of this or, or I think they said that they were going to self-label and liquidate it if, if they didn't pay. So Prime borrows money and and pays for it all. Ruweg then then comes back and, and for whatever reason says that they aren't going to ship it. So they're holding Prime's money and product. And I, I, I think there was more to it. Um, I, I think there were some other details about how how Ruweg is talking about just you know, like. Um, about selling those components at like at a liquidation price. And I don't know. So there's obviously a whole nother side to this, but right. What prime is saying is that they're as of now, they're out of business because they have no product and they have no money. In fact, they owe a bunch of money now. So there's a lawsuit going on and and it it sounds messy. Um, But one of the things I thought as, as I was watching that is, it you know one it's it's super sad to see a, a a small business be in that position and have to close the doors and, and deal with a lawsuit. That's I can't think of anything that I want to deal with less than that. I think you know knocking what I think it, I'd rather get audited by the IRS than have to deal with that. You know if I had to choose between two awful things that I'm terrified of happening to me and uh, so. I also realized that the situation uh, you know, of having to borrow money, you know, thankfully um, I've not had to do that. No, that's kind of a, there's, there's pros and cons of that. You know, it's, it, if you have to do that, it means that there's, there's enough demand for your, your product where you have to get more in than what you have in stock. And, and you, you even have to get get more product in than what you have the capital to fund. Uh, but man, there's, there sure is a, a gamble with that too. And I know that, that this is something that you've had to do, right? So what's your, I guess, what's your thoughts on that, on a situation when you watch that video and. Yeah. So, you know, we, I watched the video and my mind went to a couple different places. For one, I'm recognizing that I don't know the whole story. So I'm only speaking on it based on the one video that I watched. So you might find out that, you know, two weeks from now, we might find out that prime is totally off base, but you could find out that they're totally correct and that they're getting screwed. I, after watching that video, put down a couple thoughts here. And I, first I'll just kind of touch on the borrowing to buy supplies and things like that. And, and I'll throw the scenario where you might as a business owner come into that. Um, One of the areas that we'll see that uh, with TA targets is when we have a large department ordering. Uh, And when you deal with government or any state governments, federal level, there's terms involved. And what I mean by that is they're not going to pay you you know, the day they give you the order, you know, they might want to order 200 targets, but they're not going to write me a check for all that money up front. They typically, the process, if you look at their purchase orders, terms and conditions, and, you know, we have our own terms and all that good stuff too, but that gets factored into that. But typically they're only going to, you know, cut you a check after product's been received, but it's usually a 30 day term after it's been received. But sometimes you're lucky if if it's only 30 days. Right. Sometimes it's 60 days. Sometimes it takes 90 days. And so you're looking at that and you, you say, oh, this is a fantastic opportunity. Um, it's, a, it's a government agency. They have an official purchase order, which means the money was allocated 
Um, you're going to get paid for it more than likely. I mean, there's still risk there. Like, you know, you can't be foolish. You have to understand what your limits are. But typically speaking, if a, a legitimate purchase order has been cut, you're going to get paid for the product as long as you meet their terms and you're selling a good product to them. But now you've got to figure out how you're going to pay for everything else for the next 90 days. Um, and so that's where having a line of credit, you can borrow money on the fly. You can call up the bank. They can deposit money into your checking account. Yes, there's interest involved in it. If you have a good financial standing, the percentage rate's going to be low. Um, you know, thankfully with TA targets, we get really low interest rates because we are, we have a good track record. You know, we do business well. Um, so what that does is it allows us to pull money into our checking account and pay it back after we've been paid. And so you have to also in those jobs factor in your percentage rate for interest to make sure that you're, you know, not cutting into the bottom line too much, but that gives you flexibility if you're smart, but it can also screw you if you're really, uh, really sloppy or you're not good at, um, if you're not good at finances in general, leveraging debt <clears throat> is typically not a good idea. <clears throat> Excuse me, but it's something that as we've grown our business and come across more and more large jobs like this, and sometimes four, five, six, seven of these jobs in a month, um, it's just a reality of doing business with the different departments that we're doing business with. And so there's, from a principal standpoint, making sure that you're balancing that out and not overextending yourself because this leads into the four points that I wrote down about this prime ammo thing. Nobody's invincible at all. No business. I don't care which business it is. Um, something can come crashing down and end your business. And that's a reality that you have to understand. And I, I'm constantly self-checking myself because although I understand that we're growing and we're building a good foundation, as, as long as we keep the, the principles in place and a good product, um, there's less things that could affect us, but you're not off the hook, you know, just because you're doing business well. But then as I was watching the video, I'm just like, man, be very, very careful who you're associating with. Um, because I feel like there had to have been red flags. And that, again, I'm just, I'm biased. I'm throwing my opinion out. Don't take what I'm saying for gospel. But to me, this probably was not a, all of a sudden a flip was, you know, a switch was flipped. There's probably some kind of red flag. So was there something that happened that people weren't paying attention to or weren't, you know, keeping a good pulse on it? And I, that's a question I'm throwing out. I'm not saying that they were, but then something else that came to mind right away is like, is just know your suppliers, know who you're dealing with on a personal basis, because you can figure out people through business dealings, how they are, how they interact. When you go there, you know, I have hardware suppliers. When I interact with them, how are they talking? How are they acting? What are their terms like? How do they handle payments? Like all this stuff I'm gauging all the time. Um, and then if you're going to outsource products or components or whatever, one of the principles that was really hammered into me from long ago, and I don't honestly remember who, who did, but when you're quoting something, have three to four different people in line, different suppliers that you can go through. And that's not always possible if you're doing a super specialty item, but for us, it is. When, we, when it comes to materials or certain processes that we have to outsource, I have at least three different suppliers. And if somebody throws me a curveball and says, you know, all of a sudden they're changing their terms and they're like, well, we need payment right now. I'm just going to go over to somebody else. You know, if the risk is too high for me, I'll pay a dollar more apart to go over to this person um, to, to kind of level out that, that risk. And again, I don't know the details about what went on, but I know that typically when we screw up and when I've screwed up in business, it's because I've left my guard down um, or I got lazy or sloppy. And typically we can, if we're proactive, we can kind of head some of this stuff off, but I don't know. That's kind of what I've got on it because I don't have very much info, Yeah. but I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? Or what do you have to add? You know, so I, I had one of the same thoughts of, of, I, it doesn't make sense that this situation just happened, you know, that right. a company that you've been ordering from for a long time, everything's going good. And all of a sudden this happens so that, that, that's my main red flag. So, yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I, I took from it as well is 
is uh is just be careful who you deal with you know keep an eye on 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 situations as they happen as you deal with deal with companies don't be afraid to uh you know i agree with having more than one supplier for things and i think we've even talked about about that before about about you know how you know don't put all your eggs in one basket and even order from different companies consistently so there's some overlap there and and that sort of thing and i've i've had to do that before and uh and i also think it i love just handshake you know type of agreements like yeah you know just because i because i know i'm going to hold up my end of the deal and i think i'm pretty good at reading reading people and i'm willing to take a chance and and i'm probably too trusting a lot of times so i'm willing to to just do a handshake agreement on things but um there are some things that i'm becoming more cautious about where i realize that that if this doesn't work out that the consequences are are, are pretty big and so there there has been a few times where where i've made sure that i typed out and sent a hard copy and digital copy of of our agreement and and get signatures and i've only done that a couple of times but um you know just to make sure that that if somebody doesn't hold up their end of the deal, that at least I have something to go back on. Now, what you decide to do with that in that situation can get ugly and and expensive and stuff. So it's, you know, it it, it really is in business. There's, there's no getting around taking chances. That's just, that's everything with it. You know, every time I reorder product, I'm taking a chance and that, I'm going to be able to sell it all, you know, and it's just, so I make, I take chances every day and, uh, but that's also what's going to make you successful is, is, is if you want to take, take chances and, and either yourself fail or somebody else let you down. That's just, right. It's going to happen. So, um, yeah, yeah. That's why I try to, I, I really try hard not to borrow money. In fact, the only money I've had to borrow is for the CNC machine. And, uh, and that just, that was an easy one, frankly, because I knew the the work that I had, I'd be putting on it would at the very least pay for itself. So. And it's an asset at the end of the day, you, you have something worth money, right. You right. know, on the backside, it, it, I would, you know, we, <laughs> have generally agreed over here at TA targets that we don't, you know, we're not interested, especially with our newer business plan that we laid out in borrowing money for things that aren't tangible. You know, I'm, I'm okay with, with doing it for product for an order that we have, um, you know, that we know we're getting paid for, for things like that. I'm okay with that because I know I have an asset, I have an agreement and I know that when it all goes through, I'm going to be in the better. You know, something I was just thinking, I'm going back to this, uh, it just jumped into my head with Prime Ammo and that Rueg. The only scenario that I, I'm just, again, I have no idea, but the only thing I could think of that would cause an immediate light switch effect on that could be if, and and this has happened historically, if a company wants to buy out another company and say they want to absorb the market of Prime Ammo, just hypothetically, let's say that. Yeah. And Prime says, I don't want to sell. You know, then there have been in the past hostile situations where then a business will say, okay, well, you didn't take our offer. Well, then here's what we're going to do. And then they start screwing the other company. So I, I'm not saying that's what's happening, but that's another thing that you have to be aware of. As, as your business grows, it's worth something. And if you have direct competition, I mean, they're called competition for a reason. And you know, I think there's, there's terrible ways to do business and maybe that's what, maybe that's what they're doing here. Maybe it's bad business yeah. or, you know, maybe, maybe they're hardballing cause they want the business too. I don't, I don't know. It's just stuff yeah, to think I about. Think of it, you know, if you have a company, if you're a component company, which it, it was interesting to me to find out that, that, that that uh 
Rewag also had self-branded ammo. So you're an ammo. Right. That's what's making me think of that. It also sells components. Yeah. Um, You know, that's kind of an interesting thing because so anyway, it, but if one of your business outlets is selling components, having that repeat customer sales is more valuable to you than holding ransom one big lump of money. All right. I mean, you know, if you plan on keeping that customer and getting that repeat business, the long term of of that is much more valuable than, than getting one big lump of money and then you lose that customer. So yeah, there's, there's definitely some red flags in there. So, you know, we'll be watching this, watch a story maybe next week. I will, you know, we'll have a little bit more to, uh, you know, more input to say on this. So of course, you know, sometimes these things can, can take a while to, to hash out. I know, you know, we'll have to see if Greg releases a, a response to prime's video, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I thought I'd just bring it up just to, you know, we could talk a little bit about, about, you know, about that situation. I'm always kind of looking to see what, what's going on business wise. It doesn't necessarily have to be in our industry. But if there's anything we can see that, that we can learn from, then, uh, then we should absolutely learn from it. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Well, man, uh, I think, uh, yeah, we're definitely at an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't expect to, to roll along for an hour today, but I guess we should probably wrap up. Um, do you have anything else to add to the podcast for today? Just like a closing so. thought or something? I don't think so. Like, uh, yeah, just if you uh, if, if you're listening to this and you've made it this far, again, thank you so much for your uh, for your support and your listening to this. Make sure that you go to Facebook if you're on Facebook and join our group, Forging the Journey. Hit and hit uh, join, and we'll let you in. We're also on Instagram, Forging the Journey, uh, and check our business accounts out. The the Neomag. That's what we're called on Instagram and Facebook and, and YouTube.